Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ever dance with the devil in the Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Moskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. Alright, well, hey everybody, welcome to a brand new installment of Two Nerd Skis in a Podcast, you know, the one show where two nerd skis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment, of course. Um, of course, I am one of your uh, nerd skis, I'm Eric, um, so this is, this has been long overdue, um, to be fair, uh, so today you're going to watch Fight Club, and you're going to notice quite a few things, um, so... This episode was actually recorded all the way back in November, and then um, it was it was meant to come out a lot sooner, but, you know, there's a lot of things that came out. I'll get more into it after the episode um, itself, but you can definitely talk about it um, itself here, too. But, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to watch because the movie today we're talking about here is fight club and unfortunately jeff is not here for this episode um he was really busy at the time and so i got my uh lovely guest co-hosts marshall and sean they're the lovely hosts of um their own respective youtube channel it's called uh, philosophy of gaming they talk about everything video games and what is it that makes a video game a video game and the art behind it all and so uh they're fantastic guests to have on uh we had a really great interesting conversation about fight club in general um and i think it it got it got kind of i wouldn't say philosophical but it was very very much fight club is very much a movie that is still relevant to this day and hopefully this conversation that you're about to either listen to if you have any um um listening platforms or if you're watching on youtube awesome too you're about to see it's going to be a really interesting episode um i really think and i think it's Definitely a very fine conversation for sure. And so, um, Jeff actually does make a couple cameos. Um, you're going to hear a text. You're going to hear my phone go off for text messages. That's actually Jeff texted me at the time about, I think it was about his project. Um, but since then, um, but yeah, I will update you afterwards and then we'll go from there. So, um, I'll catch up with you after the actual conversation itself, which, Let's see how me, Marshall, and Sean break the first two rules of Fight Club. You do not talk about Fight Club. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new installment of uh, Two Nerd Skis in a Podcast, where today we're going to be uh, breaking some rule, rule, rules. I'm keeping that. Anyways, um, you'll notice today that uh, me here, Eric, um, and unfortunately, Jeff's not here with us. Jeff, um gives us his blessing to continue on with uh out him he's to be fair though jeff is like his schedule and i our, our schedules are so like kind of like worked up right now like we're kind of like all over the place so 
Um, Jeff does send his does sends his love, and uh, I invite everyone to please check out his work at Midnight Boardwalk Productions. He's got a really great short film out called Vengeance that I uh, encourage everyone to check out. But so in the meantime, uh, in his absence today, I have two very fellow fond gentlemen here. Um, <laughs> they run nice. a little small video game channel, and um, also occasionally I edit some of their videos sometimes about half uh, yeah about half anyways ladies and gentlemen uh my co-hosts special guest co-hosts today marshall and sean gentlemen how are you we're doing good man it's good to be on the show we're glad we get to do one with you thanks for having us yeah too bad uh, your well, counterpart isn't there yeah it is kind of it is a shame that jeff's not here but uh like i said like he's really busy he's really busy with stuff right now and uh he will be back i will say um and so i i think he's also very much looking forward to seeing how this discussion pans out as are we with the three of us yeah so excited so but anyways um before we actually kind of get started so i kind of wanted to ask so what is what is uh your channel pog gaming and what is it all about and how come you started that channel and uh, also the most important question how the hell did i come to be part of this <laughs> enterprise i'll tell that story you tell the first one yeah so the idea for philosophy of gaming um i like to listen to myself talk and i also like video <laughs> games and i'm very opinionated about things um i always thought it would be fun to do a video game channel but um i wanted to not just do a typical one i wanted to do a channel where we you know where i would talk a lot more about like philosophy kind of like the sentimental messages behind like stories and games like that um and try to have a little bit more of like a positive spin on things um and and actually try to do a good job you know not try to look like uh you know, a lot of like the amateur video game channels that are out there. So one day I called up my, my good friend, my childhood friend, Marshall. And I said, Hey, um, I don't know anything about tech. Do you want to help me do this YouTube channel thing? And he was all like, yes, but I don't want to just do tech. I want to be all in 50, 50 partner with you. This has been a dream of mine too. And then it just turned out to be like the best like experience. I think of both of our lives, as far as something like this goes, it's just been really good it's been an uphill grind trying to um learn everything there is about making videos and trying to get a following we're obviously still working on that but um yeah so far we love it and then of course we have you as our editor and Marshall, how do we find him yeah so we put out an ad on craigslist you know the companionship (laughs) section Man seeking a woman, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. a woman seeking man. That's or right. Yeah. Man seeking man, woman seeking whatever. <laughs> no, we uh, we had a, a a good good mutual friend um, that knew Eric and was able to get us connected, um, and it, it it's been perfect since day one. So he gets us, he gets it. You know, he likes to talk crap about us, and uh, you know, he shows it in. <laughs> In the videos he edits for us, so um, <laughs> it's been a blast. And not to uh, fluff up your feathers a little bit too much and kiss your ass here, Eric, but I will say this. Philosophy of gaming would not be what it is today without you, and so we appreciate all the hard work that we you do. put into it as well. Uh, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Actually, I I have to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be your editor. I mean, to be fair, I haven't edited all your videos. I've only edited anything that that is important. Um, <laughs> yeah, our but, other editor I, is a lot better. Um, I get. I guess he's referring <laughs> to himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Actually, can I just say real quickly right off the bat, Marshall? I think actually when you're not, when I'm not editing your videos, I actually think because you're the one who's usually editing like all the Nuzlocke, yeah. which are mm-hmm. their runs on Pokemon, and then you guys do all your stuff on um, you do all your stuff on uh, what you call it. Um, other videos like the bet was pretty great. Um, I also enjoyed watching like yeah. Sean repeatedly getting his ass and uh, ass kicked in Super Smash Bros. <laughs> constantly. Um, Every single then, one like, of those was a fluke. Every one. Yeah, four in a row. Yeah. Huh? Except for the ones that I won. Those ones were legit. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I have to say, in all seriousness, I think Marshall, you, you actually do a pretty good job on the editing yourself. Thank like, you. Yeah, there's some still some rough bits here and there, but like. You know, like I remember you asked me about like ask um, some editing tips and I was like, yeah, I'm more than happy to help you out with, some, with this. And so, yeah, um, I don't know if I don't know if necessarily you want to like learn too much because then I might be out of a job. But OK, whatever. Um, <laughs> hey, don't, um, don't get me wrong. I don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, but okay. I do. I have gotten I a lot better uh, over the course of this year. I, yeah, I you have, have never edited before. No, you really have. And I enjoy mm-hmm. it. The biggest thing that I think what you help with is the memes you you're good at making fun of us and each other and and really bringing a cohesive video together having not just the memes but the pop-up references and things that we bring up i mean it just makes it that much cleaner and smoother otherwise but. it's just a video of just us talking forever right. and ever it's what yeah, and that's what, what i would that's what i would do i would yeah. be able to put a video of us talking forever and ever together marshall's so. editing experience just goes to splicing things together and mm-hmm. that's it <laughs> yeah, I go, I, Thanks, guys. I, admit, I go a little bit above and beyond the call for some of the stuff I've done for you guys. Oh, we appreciate so, it. Like, where's that? Where's that additional big fat bonus I've been asking for? Anyways, um, okay. Um, where's our first check? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anyways, guys, uh, thank you for coming on and for joining sure. uh, joining today's episode. So, uh, I mentioned that we're breaking some rules, and so today we are talking about a very interesting classic i say classic because truly it is a modern filmmaking classic or film classic it is of course david fincher's um i think it's his third film but anyways it's david fincher's adaptation of fight club uh which was originally written by chuck polanyuk back in 1996 adapted for a screen in 1999 and of course stars uh, edward norton and brad pitt along with helena Bonham carter uh, Jared Leto and Meatloaf, uh, whole cavalcade cast of characters. Actually, so it, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this uh, earlier. It's like so. Recently, I did actually physically make an appearance on Pog Gaming on your series Blank or No, which is all about like whether or not certain su- subjects in video games are a good idea or whatnot. And I, my brainchild was talking about adaptations mm-hmm. and. Sean, you were very adamant on being a hard no on adaptations. Yeah. So this was sort of like, because this is an adaptation of a book. Um, and we were so more so talking about adaptations of video games and vice versa and stuff or whatnot. And you said that like controversially, in my opinion, although it is an interesting, um, actually good question that um, you brought up was that adaptations are a sign of the death of art, as you put it. Yeah. So... Sean, I posed the question to you, um, and I also posed this question to Marshall as well. Um, as an adapt, well, maybe not just as an adaptation, but just overall, what are your overall thoughts on Fight Club? Because this is a movie that definitely is not for everyone. I am going to say that right off of the bat because I've seen, I've talked to people who have seen Fight Club. So first of all, I absolutely 
love the crap out of this movie, but um, we'll get in, we'll get into how we I'll get into how I got into it. But like, what is kind of like? How did you guys like first discover Fight Club, and like, what did you what do you guys think about it? Whoever wants to take the reins first, I'll go ahead and start off. Um, I don't know how I first saw it. It's just kind of like there's a list of movies that are pretty popular and famous that everybody watches. So eventually, you just get around to watching it. I've watched it years ago and many times since. Um, I like the movie a lot. It's um, it's got very like dark undertones, which is kind of interesting. Um, it's also one of those like mindfuck movies where it's just like if you have when you see it for the first time, you just don't really know exactly what's going on. But uh, mm-hmm. the thing that I love the most about the movie, which I know that this is something that we're going to probably unpack a lot more, is that movies always have like an underlying message or symbolism behind it. And a lot of movies are pretty subtle in their messaging. But Fight Club is not one of those movies. It is in your face, explicit in the messaging um, that is being portrayed in the movie. And it's it actually provides a lot of good brain food. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I like it a lot. Um, as a separate note, I think that the cast is incredible in, in how they did it. And especially, um, uh, what's her name? Helena Carter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I Helena th- Carter, yeah. I think that her performance in Fight Club is probably one of the top 10 best performances in any movie. Like she really? did such a phenomenal job portraying the character of Marla Singer and I it just blew my mind with how good that she did that's fascinating that you say that because I mean I definitely agree that like Helena's performance as Marla is great like because Marla is not that typical like uh like female like direct attack direct antagonist or secondary protagonist that you usually see Mm -hmm. in like any stories like she is very much a uh she's not a woman you want to mess with but she's also she has a tender side as well and she very much has a very messed up sense of like humor as it were um but yeah i i've never heard that kind of praise about marla before but um yeah but so look yeah at the character sure. she's she's a hot mess she has this terrible outlook yeah. on life she's just flawed and broken and mm-hmm. i mean i feel like that's actually kind of a hard essence to capture in a character and i think the actress just did a phenomenal job at doing that uh yeah no i i absolutely agree helena does a really good job but um but okay so marshall I haven't heard your opinion yet. What do you think? Of first of all, when did you first watch Fight Club for the first time? The first time I watched Fight Club was less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have known okay. about it for a long time. I've always wanted to watch it but never found the right time to. Mm-hmm. I watched it. I did not expect it to be what it is in any way. Uh, which is shocking because you see clips all the time, but I, I just didn't expect it. Um, it was unbearable. <laughs> it's oh okay, I, so this is going to be a really fascinating. I don't think I don't really know if it is because I don't have a lot to say. I'm going to probably say it all right now. Well, no, I think <laughs> it's going to be interesting just because we like you know it's going to we because it sounds like me and Sean have a pretty similar opinion on Definitely. this movie, but. It's going to be interesting to have a dissenting opinion. So please, I want to hear this. Yeah, please uh, silence your cell phones uh, <laughs> over there. I'm kidding. Uh, so I, I, I think that the biggest problem I have with it is it brings a big sense of despair um, mm-hmm. 
to the viewer, not just like what's happening, but it really, I don't know, it just brought me down uh, in a weird way. And they did a very good job at do at making that feeling happen. I think that was partially the intention. It's I very, think so too. it's very dark. It's clearly got a um, a filter on it that makes it seem even darker. The actual filming of the movie was done really well. That house that they went to, or that he goes to, that he moves in with on Paper uh, Street. Yeah, yeah, th- it, that house is. Disgusting. You mean the piece of shit derelict house? Yeah, yes. it's disgusting. Um, and it's <laughs> it's it was very well put together, but I it I didn't I found listening to the narrator unbearable. Um, I found the despair part unbearable. I found the way that they put the scenes together to be very difficult to watch. Um, I understand why it was a box office failure and then became a cult classic. I get that. Um, I didn't like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is okay. So this is so I can almost guarantee yeah, the, I will never watch it again. <laughs> okay. Well, this is well. I'm I'm glad that you're touching upon. I'm glad that we have an actual dissenting opinion on this. So, I guess real quickly for me then. So obviously, yes. I, I it's, this is actually one of my all time favorite movies of all time. But um, I mean, I knew about this movie quite a bit. Um, just because you know you're growing up in the 90s and then mm-hmm. into the early 2000s mm-hmm. and i knew there was advertisement for a lot of all this all over the place obviously and then what i don't know if it was either high school may maybe the tail end of high school for me or maybe i got into college is when i finally watched the movie itself and i was very fascinated by by everything i unfortunately knew the twist ahead of time um of what what the connection between the narrator and Tyler yeah. is, um, which we'll get into, but I guess what we should really talk about real quick is just like, so just for, for people who don't know, so fight club is about a nameless, uh, protagonist. We don't really know his name, but he's, he works at an like auto, automobile, like insurance, um, company. Yeah. He's like a recall specialist and he's very, he's feeling like very unfulfilled in his life. He can't feel anything. He, uh, feels like, emasculated as it were he tries to go to support groups to feel anything any emotion it works for a while and then he meets marla who also is slinging support groups to feel things and he starts to like lose it too along along the road he meets tyler durden who is this um traveling soap salesman and does like a several other odd jobs and um after the narrator's uh, condo gets blown up um then he goes to live with Tyler. They decide to form a uh, fight club, if you will, for men. Because <clears throat> it's a way for them to feel emotion, to feel connected, to feel like men again. And then all of a sudden, Tyler decides he's going to... Um, Tyler's very much a character who dives into... Who very much believes in the hunter-gatherer sense of the world or whatnot and decides he wants to take the world... Like, take... Uh, everything back for man as it were and then the narrator's just kind of caught in the crossfire of like what the hell did i get myself into and it's really kind of, it's a really interesting kind of like deconstruction of like here at the cent- the central core of fight club really is this what does it actually mean to be a man that is really kind of like the idea i've really learned i mean like originally it was like it really is also like a really interesting deconstruction of like how consumerism has just kind of like ruined like i wouldn't say ruined but basically has like changed how we 
perceive things and stuff or whatnot. Like we want to be this, but instead we're stuck in this kind of like scenario, whatnot. And so what do we do? How do we gain our individualism? How do we gain our sense of like, um, masculinity, that sort of thing. Um, various questions about this movie have been asked ever since it has been released and it's over 20 years since this movie has come out and that's kind of the testament of this movie to this date so i'm gonna so i guess we can kind of jump off on that if it were so yeah well are you gonna not say the finish the summary and actually say what the twist at the end is because if you're watching this video you should obviously have seen the movie to know what we're talking about so do you want to spoil the ending and give that part yeah, of the for like, too. Okay, yeah. This is like a 20-year-old movie. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Here's what happens. So, anyone who doesn't want to like who anyone who wants to watch this um in short summary, um me and Sean love it. Um not so much Marshall. I get that. Uh but anyways, the spoilers. So, as a result of the narrator trying to like so cuz he so feels so emasculated, he doesn't know how to like think for himself he doesn't know how to like like love or have sex or anything like that all of his frustrations have formulated into a second persona that uh looks how he wants to look he fucks like he wants to fuck he is smart and capable and most importantly he is free in all the ways that he is not that persona is tyler durden and that's correct the biggest twist of the movie is the narrator and tyler are merely the same man in a more dissociative identity uh, disorder kind of thing. Like split and so, personality, yeah. Yeah, very much a split personality. And, like, it's very much... Like, that is that was one of the biggest twists that's considered, like, one of the best all-time movie twists of all time is, like, it's up there with, like, uh, Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time in Sixth Sense. Um, it's Vader up, was Luke's yeah, it's father. <laughs> yeah, Luke, uh, yeah, Luke, I'm your father, that sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Um, that is one of the biggest things. And so when you, when you learn that you learn, realize that like, oh, so this is kind of like, this is kind of like a, yeah. Like, what is it? Yeah. What does it actually mean to be a man? Like, what is, that is the overall question. Are we like, do we feel like we're being like brought down by society through consumerism? Do we feel like, um, all these expectations of, uh, on people have emasculated men, all these images and stuff or whatnot all these like images like this is what you can be or like these are what this is what you can do or stuff that's a lot of the questions that fight club brings up mm -hmm. and so that is that is the journey of the narrator as he learns to what does it actually be to be a man and that, how does he find his center as it were so that's really kind of the question i pose yeah so are you kind of asking I'm guessing me to kind of start unpacking a little bit of that or. Well, yeah. Cause I, I mean like, yeah, definitely. I kind of want to, I want to hear your thoughts first and then I kind of want to like, and then we can dive really into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, as far as the, the plot of the movie goes, I think that the, the central messaging behind the movie is like you said, it's kind of the question of what does it mean to be a man? Um, but I think it comes at it from an angle of addressing the problems that we see in the culture a lot of times. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think that the two core issues with that is the problem of consumerism, um, mm. like you said, and then also the demasculinization of men. Um, and both of these problems manifest themselves into the narrator. And then Tyler Durden comes along and he's a fascinating character because when it comes to him, um, how would I say it? Um, 
diagnosing the problem, he is actually 100% exactly right. He articulates it very well, but when it comes to his solutions to that problem, he is exactly wrong. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah, so he's when it so hitting on the consumerism part again. The messaging is very explicit in the beginning of the movie. The narrator is talking about all of his IKEA furniture and how he has to have everything. And then one of the I think it's one of the famous lines um, that Tyler Durden says when he first sits down and has that beer with the narrator, um, and he says that you know eventually the things that you own will end up owning you. Um, yeah, I, that's that definitely is a very good line that yeah yeah and i I think that that's very obviously captured uh throughout the movie very early on and of course at the end when during project mayhem he's trying to take down the credit card companies um as a way of bringing down consumerism again right idea on the problem wrong solution right Mm -hmm. um and i don't actually think it needs i mean we can deep dive that a little bit more i guess as far as uh consumerism and the problem that that does have it basically makes us uh, materialistic, living unfulfilled lives. I mean, if you live your life surrounded by stuff and then you die, you know, your stuff isn't going to miss you when you're gone. Um, so it's it's ultimately just an empty way of living your life, which is very easily and well portrayed in the movie. Now, the other side of it, the demasculinization of men, and this is actually kind of, I think, the bigger theme to the movie. Um there's it's actually right off of the bat too when you when when edward norton goes to the different like therapy groups and he ends up in the testicular cancer group where he meets meatloaf yep, where he meets bob that's he right. meets bob with the big bitch tits. That's, that's right uh his name was robert paulson um <laughs> it, the movie kind of makes it seem like he's not where he's supposed to be because he doesn't have testicular cancer. But when you look right. there, he's actually just surrounded by a bunch of men that are demasculated and yet so is he. So it's almost like he's in exactly the right place that he needs to be to try to find that comfort. But then as as his relationship with Tyler develops, you can see a lot of the underlying problems that contribute to the demasculization of men. Um, a lot of it having to be with, they both say, even though Tyler's stories are fabricated right because he's not technically real but they both have problems with their father um they both want nothing to do with having like a woman in their life like i think there's the scene like when they're in like the bathroom or whatever and tyler says something along the lines of you know we live in a world where um like we live in a world full of women yeah maybe a woman is not the answer that we need exactly the answer Yeah. yeah exactly um so like he's kind of i think that he's wrong about that because the problem with the demasculinizing men part that is a real problem that we have but then the answer to that isn't becoming hyper masculine to the point where it's considered toxic because men by their nature filled with testosterone are physically strong aggressive barbaric uncivilized and so as a man what do you do with all of those tendencies you can either just become a brute and abuse everybody around you especially women or you can use all of that and channel it towards something positive. And you, what you don't, what you realize when you watch the movie is that Edward Norton, the narrator, starts idolizing Tyler Durden throughout that whole process. And then mm-hmm. the second he actually starts developing feelings towards Marla and the woman actually starts affecting him, then he actually starts becoming kind of like the real man. So 
men need to be civilized by women and by rejecting having a woman in your life to kind of anchor yourself, you're going to become the toxic Tyler Durden part. Obviously, that movie is a wild extreme to how real life actually works. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But that's also the point, though, too, is that I think that it's like you said, Tyler Durden was created by the narrator to be everything that he wants to be. But then again, we don't know what we actually want to be. It takes a little bit mm-hmm. of humility and hard life lessons to actually get onto the right path. And I think this movie, in a very extreme way, portrays that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I definitely have a lot to agree with you. And I would definitely like to exp- like expand on that part, too. But before I do... Mm-hmm. Um, Marshall, do you have anything to add? It's all right. I mean, <laughs> everything everything that has been said thus far is correct. Uh, it's just a very it's it's a very artistic way to show it. Um, just not my not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, no. Again, I I totally get that because again, this this movie definitely, like I said, not for everyone. Like this is definitely a movie sure. that. I mean, like, let's let me put it this way. Like, for example, like one of the things that will probably turn people off is like, so Tyler is a night person, right? He has two jobs. One of these I jobs you is a movie projectionist. <laughs> yes. And like he decides in order to like to make time bearable, he's going to slice. Um, I don't care. Like, oh, oh, by the way, I don't Dicks. care about these. I don't care about monetization. <laughs> but he decides he's going to like split um, very interesting scenes into child into child family films and then like for a brief second you'll catch a glimpse a glimpse glimpse glance or glimpse pick a word (laughs) glimpse you'll catch a glimpse i'm having so some really stubborn problems you'll catch a glimpse of tyler's contribution to the film and there it is the nice big cock (laughs) wow nobody knows they saw it but they did script of this movie (laughs) yeah Nobody knows they saw it, but they did. Yeah. And, like, so much so that at the very end, right as the film is, like, fading out, there it is. Yeah. A nice big cock. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually funny. So it's, like, there's a lot of, like, subliminal, like, kind of messaging that's, like, in there, too. But what I um, – before I dive into my, like, kind of, like, expanding on what Sean's saying – Real quick, too, a lot of people, like, if you're wondering, like, if the movie's glitching at the beginning, it's because, no, you're not imagining it. That actually happened. Mm-hmm. So there are, like, moments when you when you see that uh, the narrator's talking about, like, how his life is, like, everything is a copy of a copy mm-hmm. of a copy. And then you'll see, like, a split second of what looks like to be Tyler Durden forming yeah. or whatnot. And you're just like, did I, j- is this movie, like, having, is this movie okay? And you're like... Nope, that's actually happening. That is the former in that in my mind and that my interpretation. That is him creating Tyler Durden from his frustrations. Like mm-hmm. slowly, slowly, the remnants of what will be Tyler Durden will form. But also part of and, that too is because he suffers from insomnia, so he's not fully asleep, not fully awake, as he says in the movie. So he's almost kind of like he's hallucinating, which is I think actually a point that he makes in the movie too. And you learn, and like when you learn the twists, and he explains the night jobs, it's probably because the reason why he has insomnia. Well, maybe so, but maybe the the thing is like the reason why he has insomnia is because maybe Tyler has started to emerge, and therefore he mm-hmm. has all these second jobs of like working as a banquet ho- waiter at a at the prestigious hotel. I forget what 
oh Preston Hotel and then or Pressman Hotel and then like he's also um, working as a film projectionist. So that maybe Tyler um, formulating and he stays up all night to make soap. And yeah. how they how do they make soap from a liposuction clinic? Um, that part it's was pretty so messed gross. up how they make the soap. Yeah, um, so nasty. It is pretty. I mean, like you know, remember remember when they crawl over like the, yep. when they try to get the, the Constantina like, the, wire and the all the fat drips all over them. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's filthy. <laughs> well, then it also leads to like one of the, like one of the really big like scenes in the movie where it's like um, you have to accept that God doesn't like you. You have to accept that you need to hit rock bottom in order to be a man. That's when Tyler pours a chemical burn or applies a mm-hmm. chemical burn to the narrator, and he's like. It's okay. I can pour this chemical on you, but you have to accept that life sucks. Um, yeah. So another that, one of that's like one the, of the best scenes too. I forgot to actually mention that part when I was talking before. Um, I think that's also kind of like another part, like where, like Tyler is hinting at something that's right, but then his answer to that is something uh, completely wrong. Yeah, is actually totally wrong. Like mm-hmm. yeah, the having a bad family, fatherless home, rejection of anchoring yourself to a woman to a woman uh rejection of god like all those sorts of things um not the answer for the problems that you're having oh absolutely i i definitely agree with that too i mean you want to you want to talk about like ways of like trying to feel like to be a man let's talk about the formation of fight club itself so like after the condo breaks after the condos burn down after they have their um drinks at the bar mm-hmm. uh, at loose tavern the uh, then Tyler says like, "Hey, I want you to hit me as hard as you can." Yeah, and he's like, "What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can." Um, fun fact: so when Edward Norton punches Brad Pitt, um, that is actually Edward Norton punching Brad Pitt. He was actually <laughs> aiming for the face, but unfortunately, because his fist is fist was off, he hits him in the ear for real. That is, and that's so that is Brad Pitt's genuine like reaction to like. What the fuck? You and hit so me in the ear. So they just kept the camera rolling, huh? Yeah, they kept the camera rolling, it. and then just like, yeah, yeah, that. No, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like when you're watching The Dark Knight, and you, and like, when the Joker blows up the hospital, right? And like the explosion stops. He's just like, what the hell? And Edward Norton's like, no, keep rolling, keep rolling. I think this is gold that we've got here. Yeah. Um, one of those nice little tidbits. But yeah, this is. But yeah, so going off of what you were talking about, Sean. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on a lot of the points you talked about because it's like. Because the truth of the matter is, is like, so allow me to go on sort of a modern day kind of um, perspective how life is right now. Sure. So like we've gone through like, you know, you know, we've gone through like a big giant election of 2016 that panned out. And then um, then we had a, a pandemic for about two years, arguably still going on, but it's definitely settled down in places. But here in America, it's definitely... But, you know, like, you know, tensions and turmoil, all time high. And then, like, you've gotten to this point, you know, like, as a result of, like, you know, where we are as a society, men have decided to feel, men have felt, men feel more alone and not as masculine as they used to feel anymore. And so they look for, like, guidance to be, like, a better person or a better man. And and so then you have, like, so little thing about me i like to really deep dive into like the internet um i'm really into like i don't know why i do this to me i go really deep into like rabbit holes and so i learned about 
the manosphere and the whole red pill thing. So like long story short, the manosphere is basically an online collection of like content creators or just people online. This is how I've seen it. Who basically are like, um, yes, men have issues. Women are the problem. That is, that's kind of like how I've seen or like how I've seen it and what I've observed from my research and so on. And so you have a lot of these red pill types. So these are guys who are saying that like, uh, I've broken the matrix as it will, and I will teach you how to like uh, take control back of your life, and I will teach you how to pick up women and conquer them. It's basically basically uh, what I'm trying to say. It's, uh, Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That's red pill mentality. Um, and so you have all these young directionless men who see these guys and look up to them as like father figures or brotherly type f- figures, and they're like... Yeah, this is this is the way to go. And they look to Fight Club as sort of like a bible of like how to like take back their lives and I'm like do they not realize that Fight Club is not was that- written by a gay man? Um very much a kind of person that uh I think that community would be against. And like they've completely missed the points. Yeah, I was gonna Fight say that's Club. also not the point of the movie. The point is the opposite in a way. Exactly. It's about yes. not going too far. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, like, the, but the, it, but it does still raise a point. Like, you know, like, like men. It, it not it's not just men too. I would say even women. Like, even women. Like, like we're all dealing with like struggles of like, what does it mean to be a human or a man or a woman? What does it mean? Like, like, are we, are we like who we are? Are we defined by consumerism? Are we defined by the things that we own? Do they own us? That sort of stuff. Like, it's not just men, it's women everywhere. And so what this movie is really teaching you is that like, we're really trying to convey. It's like, no, what we're really trying to do is to show you that like, this is how you really achieve balance. You learn to accept who you are. You learn to accept your faults, but learn to improve on yourself. This sort of thing. And taking the extremes, this is going to end you up. Living in a shack that's got, you know, water filling up. Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. I go ahead and, and chime like, in off of what you were be, just uh, talking about there, Eric? What? Can, what was that? Can I go ahead and chime in off of uh, some yeah, of the yeah, points go ahead, you're go just ahead. making? Um, I would have to plead a little bit of ignorance when it comes to the idea of the manosphere. I've heard of it, but I don't like sit there and like rabbit hole things on the internet. But I know that that's mm-hmm. definitely a thing, and I think that that does actually speak to part of the problem. So, you just said like both men and women, everybody is trying to find ways to define themselves. Um, What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What are we actually looking for? Um, I think the answer to that is that what we actually need is purpose. I think there's a lack of purpose in in broader society these days. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like, you need purpose to live a fulfilling life. You need challenges and then you need to overcome them. Um, But you also need to be grounded in something. And I think a big part of the problem, and I think consumerism is a part of it, but consumerism has actually bred an even greater problem that consumerism doesn't even come close to. And that is the age of the Internet, where everybody goes to these corners of the Internet and they're and especially kids are being raised by the Internet. And there's just all of these ideas out there floating around you find something that resonates with you and then cling to it 
And that doesn't mean that that idea is necessarily healthy. So you find men that have been, or you know, young men, boys, teens, whatever, that do feel that that feeling of despair. Despair, by the way, isn't just like a way of like sadness or anything like that. It actually is a word with a meaning, and the the meaning of it is a sense of purposelessness. That's pretty much mm-hmm. what despair means, right? So people go to places on the internet. And they see these hyper-masculine guys that are charismatic, kind of like the Tyler Durdens of the world. Um, there's a couple of real-world examples. I was going to bring something like this up, yeah, but go ahead. Keep, keep, keep going with this. Yeah, and so it, they don't know any better. And a problem with that is, again, not having a stable family life at home. A young man, from the time that he is a boy, needs a father in the house to teach him how to channel some of the more aggressive and barbaric aspects of what it means to be a male in this society and channel toward that towards something with purpose. And for men, that means service, right? You either, you can join the military. That's a great way to channel that sort of, uh, that masculinity, um, get married and, you know, put yourself to work to be a provider for your family, serve your community, but just living in a in a room, listening to the internet, thinking that you're going to try to find role models on the internet, they're just and as purpose, lost yeah. as as you are too. Um, not a very good combination for a healthy society, for sure. I would agree. I would definitely agree on that part, which is kind of like which, and it's funny that like Fight Club kind of predicts all of that too, right? Because that is the whole point. Because eventually Tyler is decides that like. He's going to take Fight Club a step further, and that's where Project Mayhem comes mm-hmm. in, right? So Project Mayhem is basically his way of like, this is how I'm going to take take society back for men, and we're going to do it by causing a lot of mayhem. And like, I love the montages, by the way, of like how they do it. Like, the like if you guys remember Blockbuster, <laughs> I miss Blockbuster. Um, and then like they they'll they'll basically like destroy all the videotapes I don't, with like whatever the hell it is they're doing um mm-hmm. they'll like uh feed a shit ton of like bird feed the pigeons yeah. and then you'll see that all the all the uh nice uh new cars that are on sale are all shit on by the birds um you have like a you have like a rolling um just you, you blow up like this uh fountain ball and it rolls into a coffee shop yeah. meant to be a starbucks but um Starbucks was also like a spot, like funding part of this movie too. And by the way, there's almost like a Starbucks cop in like every single scene of the movie. Not every single scene, but the point is, is that like um, that's part of the subliminal messaging of consumerism. But yeah, but the point is, is but the point is, is like that was supposed to be a Starbucks, but they couldn't do that because um, whoops. Um, But yeah, no. So, but that's kind of the thing too, isn't it, Sean? Like you have Tyler Durden who is. You know, he says like here. You know, you need to find purpose for yourself. You guys are lost. Um, you need to think for yourselves. What do these guys do? They f- instead follow Tyler Durden to the word. Uh, the whole point. They say like, first rule of Project Mayhem is that you do not ask questions. Right. And you're like, that is bullshit. Um, it's a cult. And you can, yeah, it's very much a cult. And that's that's kind of like what the whole like manosphere red pill thing is it's like a cult that is how i've come to see it like like you have all these like figures that are at the forefront yes i would include a certain former kickboxer turned um pimp or alleged pimp as it were um yeah. <laughs> like into the mix i would throw um like, people have also thrown um dr jordan peterson into the mix as well 
Um, Unfairly, I think. I think that his advice is actually sound and solid. Yeah, it's a lot lot different different than Tate. For his psychology stuff, I agree, but it's everything else that I kind of like am a little bit iffy on, but that's like a whole other subject. I'm kind of curious, though, like what exactly is like kind of iffy about it, though, because I think a lot of the... Yeah, Sean quoted him word for word earlier. Yeah, because like a lot of what he says is actually like the healthy way of, of, of channeling like masculinity. Like Andrew Tate, no, not so much. I think that Andrew Tate is actually a lot like Tyler Durden, where he's right about a lot Very of things, much so, yeah. but then has the wrong answers to the, like yeah wrong the, execution to the problems, right? But where Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson, his whole messaging is basically as a man, you know, grow up. Uh, voluntarily take on responsibilities, develop a sense of duty, um, and get married and have a family. And when we talk about purpose, I think that there's really, when you talk about the purpose of a human is to keep the human species going so that you don't become extinct and you do that by having kids. So one of the most fulfilling ways of achieving uh, fulfillment and purpose is to have a family. Um, I remember kind of going a little bit off tangent here. I mean, it can be it can be one way to fulfill yourself, but um, let me let me sure finish your thought first before you do before I say anything. Okay, yeah. So um, so like I remember I saw this. Um, I don't know if it's like considered a meme or what, but it was like this graphic that I saw uh, somewhere on social media. It's a silhouette of a man, white background, black silhouette of a man, and his whole body is made up of puzzle pieces, mostly put together, but there's a few of them missing. And then there's a silhouette of a child who's also made up of puzzle pieces, but he's actually mostly empty. And you see the man handing a puzzle piece to the child. And I love that metaphor because it's basically saying that a man, a father, a parent gives themselves to the child to let them take their place and try to make the world you know, a better place. That's what legacy is about. And again, that goes kind of to the consumerism point a little bit too. Like I said in the very beginning of this, if you live your life just pursuing like monetary sort of success and achievement, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if that becomes the whole drive of your life, just to be surrounded there's by no your- There's no purpose. There's no- Yeah, yeah. to be surrounded yeah. by your material possessions. If you have a very high paying job, you're a CEO of a company, you have all these cool toys- your, all of your inanimate objects are not going to miss you when you're gone. Your company is going to end up replacing you. Your company might take a stock hit real quick, then it'll bounce back up. But if you have kids and a family, you're leaving behind a bunch of people that are actually going to miss you. You become an irreplaceable part in somebody else's life. And mm-hmm. that is far more meaningful than any sort of consumerism um, or materialistic goals. And I think that that's a point that Jordan Peterson makes a lot too. Right. No. And I mean, and like, I, I get that quite a bit, but I'm also like, I'm also the kind of, so without going too much into things like I've recently, so I'll just say this, so I don't go too personal into it. But like, for me, I had a sort of a mental kind of like breakdown at the end of last year. And like, I was kind of feeling a little bit lost and everything. And, um, I actually started therapy as a result of it. And like, and like there, once I went in, I just opened like a whole can of worms and everything. And like a lot of them, a lot, and like therapy really helped me realize that like, oh yeah, I don't yeah, help me realize where the kind of the revelations, like who I was and like how much I actually really hated myself and what I wanted to do. And so as a result, I've started to become a little bit, I've started to become more creative. I started to, part of me too is like, so I've been 
So I'm going to reveal this part of myself. I've been single pretty much my entire life. Um, and that is, that's, that's, that's something I can talk about a lot more. But the point is like, because of therapy, I've learned to be more accepting of being single in terms of like, cause maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, you can live a very fulfilling I get, I definitely see what you're going with Sean for sure. And I definitely can see how that can be a benefit, but I can also definitely see the benefits of like, and I also see where people can live a full long, successful, like fulfilled life without maybe a family. They can maybe have a partner or so and they can feel fulfilled. They can want to go travel the world and stuff. Maybe they don't want to have kids. I get that. I don't know necessarily if I want to have kids myself at one point, that sort of thing. Passing, I get passing on the legacy, the whole puzzle pieces, as it were, as you said, Sean, but I, that's, that would be my counter argument is that like, I've, I, through my revelations, I've, through therapy, I've learned that like, I complete me. Um, everyone else is like can help definitely help show the door, but I have to be the one who walks through it, throwing in a matrix re- reference. Ha <laughs> And then, um, and then like, cause like everyone else is definitely helping me along the way. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have never said this before, but like, um, you guys are part of my mental health journey because you gave me purpose. You gave me, um, an outlet for me to be creative in being an editor for your channel. And so that's been, that has been really, that's been really great for me. And it's allowed me to really kind of explore that part of myself again. Like as a result, I'm working on trying to build up more of my editing resume. I want to, I I was doing a little bit of um, Muay Thai actually uh, before I had my mental kind of breakdown. I want to get back into martial arts again, actually. And like, this is how this, if you want to be, here's my thing. Like if you want to be the alpha male that Tyler Durden says you ought to be, here's how I think you should do it. You learn to build new skills, um, improve on the ones you already have, um, learn to be at peace with yourself. You help others through positive, through positivity and in a healthy manner. And then from there, that's purpose. That's life. You don't, maybe definitely kids is definitely on, it's never off the table, but definitely I can definitely see that part. But, um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of what I've, that's where I definitely find myself tying it back all together with the narrator because the narrator learns that like, Oh wow. I, 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 my, this, my purpose, I don't, maybe I don't have a purpose, but I have, you know, I realize I'm in love with Marla. I I have meaning. I have a reason to like want to protect her from everything that's happening from Tyler, that sort of thing. And like, this is what it actually means to be a man is to like learn to balance my id with my super ego mm-hmm. and be whole. That's really what it is. And that's really where I've, that's what I've resonated coming from the message of fight club and what I've resonated with what my personal revelations that I've come through in my sort of like journey as it were throughout the end of 2021 till now as of this recording. So that's what I've taken away from it. And it's weird watching fight club because like, it's reminded me of just how much like, this is how far, this is how, this is where I could have gone. Like this is because I definitely was at that point where like, definitely not the point, definitely not the point where I could have fallen victim to, um, 
like manosphere content or whatnot because i like to think my parents did a pretty damn good job especially especially my mom uh, for sure but um and definitely my dad too but the point is is like I, I i feel for a lot of those guys who fall victim to that content because then then they're the mindless drones of that project mayhem and those tyler durtons are taking advantage of them for their own personal gain and that doesn't benefit anybody at all that's how jordan peterson feels yeah, yeah. i kind of want to respond to some of the stuff that you said there because there's actually a lot more parallels between you and i than i think that you realize um so I will say this. Sorry, by the way, if this gets really personal, folks. We were just talking about an innocent movie about two guys being the shit out of each other. Not a, it's <laughs> not anyways, an innocent movie. No, it's actually about to get more personal here, too. Um, it actually, I think even the timelines line up. I was going through a really dark phase in my life around the same time that you were as well. Uh, I think I was going through it for a couple of years um, I actually ended up going to therapy as well. And the therapy helped me out a lot because um, she actually just basically helped me get my own thoughts in order to move forward. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I would um, at least give to you as like a piece of advice, um, you're never actually done, right? Like just because you, no, you go absolutely. to therapy, I would definitely agree you, you've with got that. a lot of stuff figured out, but definitely not everything. So you're never actually complete. So there's that journey of trying to make yourself better, more fulfilled. That's actually a lifelong endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and same as you, um, it was actually very shortly um, after I started therapy is when I started this idea of starting POG with Marshall. And so wow. just like you, um, and, and again, I, I didn't just start POG because I want to just sit in front of a camera and talk about video games. A lot of it actually has to do with what I said about the internet. I think the internet is a terrible and toxic place. And unfortunately, YouTube gaming is one of those platforms where you get a lot of really bad, and they're actually called influencers too, but they're also yeah, influencing really true. bad ideas. So my idea is to kind of take like this, video gaming YouTube channel idea as a Trojan horse to get in front of the Utes and then actually try to promote more of like a positive and hopeful message along some of the themes that we're talking about today. So um, in a way, both you and Marshall have also helped me uh, find a sense of purpose as well. But I would also say this, um, my wife and I, we've had a lot of problems with having kids. Uh, Some of them were very heartbreaking, not gonna get into that right now, but now currently as we sit, I could get a phone call at any minute saying that my wife has gone into labor and we're about to you know, have our first, our first kid or having a little girl. Um, I cannot be more excited about that. And I think one of the things for me that is really amazing about it is that I see young parents these days, a lot of them will always give you advice when you're an expecting parent saying like, oh, you'll never sleep again. You'll never have any personal time, <laughs> like all this stuff. And to me, it's like- That's advice. Yeah. You're like too little, too yeah, late. It's like you just prepare for a life of misery. <laughs> and to me, it's like, no, it's not. I I have lived my whole life for myself up till this point, And that has not got me very far. That got me into therapy. Even being happily married for a few years before, there was just still something missing. And I will admit, mm-hmm. I, has, I have been raised, I wouldn't say, I've, well, maybe partially some of it's been raised, but I have always had a very arrogant kind of womanizing, almost like Tyler Durden, sort of a masculinity sort of mentality 
um, about life. I was super arrogant, thought that my shit didn't stink and I had things figured out. And again, that did not get me very far. It actually took me being a little bit more civilized and sensitive to like the needs of say my wife to help me learn what it means to be a good person. You have to give a lot of yourself to something that is greater than yourself to find purpose. One final point, because you were talking about how people can live uh, lives without family and kids and still live a fulfilling life. Yes, I think that that's true. However, I think that's a far more indirect route, right? Because I think that in order to live a life that has meaning and purpose behind it, as one very straight to the point example is you want to try to leave the world a better place. You want to leave an impact, right? So even if you have all the creativity in the world and you're amazing or capable of doing amazing things, um, that is also just not enough unless you're actually making a positive impact on people around you to make the world a better place. Um, and I think that having kids and a family is actually pretty much a streamlined uh way of actually achieving that kind of purpose. Not the only way, but I think the road is a lot longer, um, you know, without doing it that way, if that makes sense. And that, and that, so to tie it, to tie it back to Fight Club. <laughs> but... right, we're talking about Fight Club today. <laughs> I know, I know. So by the way, this is what me and Jeff what do movie? all the time. What movie? We'll yeah. <laughs> me and Jeff do this all the way up by the time too. So like, this oh, is, this is, real quick, company. I was scrolling through your videos the other day. I'm sad I missed Tremors. Oh, <laughs> I would have had a lot more fun on that one. <laughs> oh yeah, Tremors is amazing. Um, so we, good. You guys did all, three yeah. of them. You did three of the four. Oh, we've done four. Oh really? We've done Man. the first four. We uh, we're we want to do the other movies at some point. But anyways, but to tie it back together, so like this is as as um in in a weird way, it is like the weird messed up way that Tyler and and. Uh, the narrator can like contribute their legacy to the world is through fight club. They give men an outlet to, uh, to like release their aggressions and tensions and like beat the shit out of each other. Doesn't solve anything. It's just, yeah, we're men and we're shaking hands. We're doing this. It's just a way to feel like ourselves. And like, there are ways to definitely do that in life. And I think, the points that both me and Sean, and I would even say Marshall, even though I have Marshall hasn't really said anything, <laughs> I'll be honest. But I think we can all agree that like the all the points we've said here definitely can point to like this is how to not this is how to do Fight Club, but without all the punching and without like all the aggression. Can can I actually disagree with one quick thing there? Okay, Sorry, sure. Can like? I you ask? You asked. Can I disagree with that? Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, sure. okay. Mine's uh, after. Yeah. So I actually don't think that Fight Club is a a contribution to the world to make the world a better place. I think that Fight Club, in a way, is kind of a metaphor for say like uh like like hedonism, right? It's instant gratification. Kind oh of no, absolutely. In the moment my, sort of a thing, which is right, also right, not right. a good way to live life. I mean, right? No, no. I was no. My point was more like just like like uh like Tyler and the narrator's contribution, like in their own messed up, twisted way was creating Fight Club. And I'm saying like, you can do something, you can, there are ways to do that, but without creating a club like that, that leads to a Project Mayhem sort of situation. That's kind of the point I'm getting at. But as you were saying. Yeah, no, it's just, um, I, I think that the, the positive contributions that the narrator makes to the world and to society actually comes after the movie is over, right? The whole movie is about him hitting rock bottom and then mm -hmm. 
starting off a new life to where he can be a fulfilled person. So I don't think that anything you see in the movie is anything that he is doing to live a fulfilled life. It's him being right. broken all the way down and then starting over. And then now he has hope. Like the whole movie is dark. And then at the very end, you actually see the sun coming up. Um, sort of. After the, it's all more the wreckage like, and everything. It's more like you see the buildings blow up. I think that the, the sunrise actually starts too when he's sitting there at the end talking to Marla saying, um, I'm sorry, you caught me in like a really weird point in my life right now or something like that. You the, met me at a really strange time in my life. Yeah, yeah the sun I starts remember. actually rising at that moment. I think that that's And then the there's the And then there's the, and then there's the, the big cock, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Marshall, what were you nice, going to say? You're good. Cock. Um, it seems that the movie, it starts out really weird, right? And But it takes a turn. It's not during the plane, the flight when he meets Tyler, but that's kind of a precursor to it. He gets home and his apartment is, is destroyed. Right. And I feel like at that right. moment, everything really takes a shift. I mean, he goes to this abandoned house who would go, you, you wouldn't just go live in this house. Right. I'm wondering, is any of it real after that point? Like, that is a good point. Like, like and like, I think the biggest know, thing is, yeah. Is Fight Club real? Because at the end of the day, he's beating the shit out of himself. Well, maybe that's mm-hmm. the the point. That's the premise. Is he's, it's not even real. He's just fighting himself. Yeah, it's a it's a metaphor. It's, it's, it's the inner battle it's, that we all have within our with our own inner demons. And right. a lot of times, demons can be very enticing, like how Tyler Durden is. But he's still kind of an inner demon of him, and we always have to battle those. So in his case, he gave into his demon and then realized it was bad, and it actually took um, the love for a woman to pull him out of that. Um, that's yeah. actually a, a thought that I didn't even really think about until you just said that, Marshall. That's a I just I was thinking about insight. it as we've been talking about it. You know, it's like well. I mean, I already knew that Tyler and him were the same person, but as we've been kind of going into it, I'm thinking like maybe the, I mean, if there's the same person, then he clearly wasn't just standing outside of a bar hitting himself in the face, right? So maybe. Well, he was. But but he probably wasn't. The point, my point is yeah. it was all internal. Everything from that moment when he got home and had didn't he burn his own fucking apartment down or yeah. something? Yeah. So it's like from that moment that he hit bottom, when he realized it was over, he just quit. And from that point on, it was started becoming Tyler Durden. And that's why, yeah. and that's why I think maybe fight club isn't even actually real. It's well, it was real because there actually was other people. Yeah. That but were... I, that's, that could all be internal in his mind. All of it, everything, everything that happened could have been internal. That's definitely I, an I guess, interesting way. I to guess look just about, my point is that way. maybe it was all inside of him mm. from that moment on the so flight. You're he never even fell right in before. love with Marla in the first place. Maybe. I mean, I'm not trying to go super deep on that. Maybe there were. Maybe it was in and out and that kind of thing. But I think that the whole idea of him fighting Tyler was not to fight someone. It was likely him on the inside fighting with himself which clearly it was but I mean, maybe was, maybe yeah. that's actually what it was maybe everything mm-hmm. was everything was fake i don't know yeah that that's definitely a thing too that's definitely something that i believe that like film scholars and just film like bus will definitely analyze as like did it like how much of it actually happened it's kind of like an american psycho thing isn't it too is like did yeah. 
did everything Patrick Bateman do actually happen or was it all in his head that sort of well and there's a good way to approach it yeah Yeah. and there's no way to for sure answer it either so it's more of just speculation well i think that it actually it can be answered at least in a way because if if everything that did happen after that wasn't actually real then that renders all of the other points that the movie makes almost pretty much meaningless because the movie tackles problems like we talked about consumerism consumerism was already tackled by then Right, but but it's still the whole – it's tackling the problem and coming up with, like, say, the solution of it, right? So it deals with all those problems, but it happens in both the micro and the macro. The micro being in the individual, in the narrator himself, and then the macro addresses the problem at a societal level. If the whole right. story is about right. him and everything is fake, then that means that all of the outside societal influences of it were also fake – but I don't think that's the point that the movie is trying to address. I think it's actually trying to address those problems in society as well as the individual. And it manifests in both, which means right. that it has to still be real and exist. Or it's the individual's views of how society is, how society views and changes. And True, but and Bob she- was real. Bob was a real person before. Yeah, Bob was a real person. Um, Bob bef- and those bitch and Bob And Bob could have been a figment of his imagination afterwards because he knows Bob in real life. I mean, like, either either way, the, tr- the point of the, the truth of the matter is, is, like, everything that we have talked about so far, like, in this in this entire installment has basically been, like, like a lot of, like, like, we definitely know now what this movie definitely like represents and what what it's meant to us individually like for us but back then a lot of people missed the point and it sounds like a lot of people still miss the point for a lot of the reasons we said too like do you know how many like fight clubs were set up as well um, as a result of this movie like, actually I think there's probably there's a lot of points that we've missed as well like there's a mm-hmm. lot of symbolism that is probably that we didn't even pick up on right but the point but what I'm what I'm getting at is like the the thing is that a lot of people just glance all over glance over all of that and it's just like they look at Fight Club and they see like oh this is how to be a man or this is how we gain back our individualism and stuff or whatnot and so I don't know if you guys well like so went back so back in like when the movie came out like there are all these like I said all these Fight Clubs started popping up out of nowhere no everyone was breaking. No one would break any of the rules, but they kept being found anyway. Like, apparently, so, like, so there is one popular story I learned where it's, like, Brigham Young University, which is a school in Utah. It's it's a university um, that's run by by Mormons. But um, apparently they had as many as about 700 or maybe 300 students in their fight club. And... um, and that got really kind of like kind of crazy and out of hand too. So that was really kind of a thing. So that's really kind of something. Oh, to, something to ponder there. Hold up. Um, sorry, sorry. Actually, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. First rule about Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Club. You, What's the second rule yes. about Fight Club? Don't you talk don't talk about, about Fight Club. It. Right. In his head, he would be telling himself over and over two times not to talk about what's going on in his head the point but the point is like a lot of people like i said a lot of the a lot of people who saw fight club breezed over that and like i mentioned earlier like all the mass all that manosphere content or whatnot they look at fight club as a bible of like this is how you gain back your masculinity and stuff everyone looks at its surface level and thinks that this is what fight club is about 
and clearly and as hopefully as we've demonstrated here that's not what fight club is really about it's about learning to accept who you are and, and learn yeah, to it's be like what Marshall's, a better person. Yeah, it's like what yeah. Marshall said is that they're getting the exact wrong idea if that's yeah. your takeaway because the whole point of the movie is that this is wrong. what you don't This do. is all wrong. This yeah. is how you go yeah, down this to is, a path This is a cautionary tale of what not and to I do. Can't, yes. And I can't believe they couldn't get that idea from the tones and the filters and the darkness in the movie. It's like everything is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, again, it speaks to the demons that live inside of us that says that the demons are very enticing. You see somebody like Tyler Durden. It is very enticing, especially in a culture where a lot of men are feeling demasculated in real life, they they crave and cling to an example of what they want to be, but they're still... So it actually creates... It creates this manosphere that you're talking about. The culture that we live in created a vacuum for masculinity, and then it just gets filled with a bad version of it, mm-hmm. and it gets embraced. Yeah. yeah. That's the... That is the sad reality of it all, really. That's that's it is what it is, but you know, hopefully by having these conversations and like really kind of deconstructing what Fight Club is really all about, maybe people will hopefully look at it at a better light and see for what the message is really all about and it's like we it's everything we said, you know? Yeah. This is a very cautionary tale of like if you don't want hypermasculinity or toxic masculinity, um, this is how to not get there and go from there. But yep. So like I would just, I'm going to say, so I think overall, like, even though, even though Marshall, I know you're not a fan, you've raised some pretty good, interesting points overall. And I've got one more. Um, okay. As we've learned tonight, the first rule about fight club is talk about fight club. <laughs> no. And I don't mean that as a joke, right? Talk about, the struggles and the demons that are going on inside your head and the things that you ah. see and read about and learn about. Talk about this stuff with somebody. Don't let it mm-hmm. stew inside until and it become violently a Tyler comes Durden. out. Don't don't yeah. be don't get stuck in an echo chamber. Don't don't um, fall for bad habits. Don't 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 be on the internet as much. I would also recommend yeah. like find some positive people in your life. Look up if like you know, look up to healthier role models as it were. Like if you want a good example of like a really good, like YouTube channel that analyzes, like that, like has like really positive role models and also loves talking about movies through like a therapeutic lens. I recommend a channel called cinema therapy where they look through, um, they, so it's a therapist and a filmmaker, they're best friends from college and they watch, um, movies and they tackle like characters and themes through, therapy lens and how they would apply like mental health and stuff like from from learning these lessons and stuff or whatnot and alan and jonathan the two guys well jonathan is the therapist and alan is the filmmaker these guys are like internet dads like they are like some of the most positive like um videos i've seen they're over actually their breakdown on fight club is actually what made me want to talk about fight club here and I'm glad I'm able to talk about it here with you guys. And I'm, I'm like, I, I, yeah, I recommend everyone f- like, don't, don't bottle it in, like seek out therapy if you need to. 
Um, actually, I really do recommend therapy. It's actually done pretty great wonders for me. Um, and it's done really well for Sean too. Um, and, um, you know, find your, find your inner center, your, if you will, and, um, just be a positive role model for others and try and just try and find purpose in your life, but don't do it by starting a fight club and then also creating a shadowy terrorist organization on top of that too. Which is exactly right because again the darkest point of the whole thing is that you walk down that path you end up with a bullet in your head by yourself that you did to yourself. I mean we don't recommend killing yourself. No no but that's what Uh, I'm saying that's that's the cautionary tale right it's like this is a path to where you like shoot yourself. I actually think that's one of the darkest messages that's behind the movie. It's it's terrible mm-hmm. and tragic, but it's it's just, it, I think why I like it is because it, it a little bit too real. You can if you get consumed by the darkness and the demons, there's a chance that you can end up with a bullet in your head and you might not be as lucky as the narrator. Yeah. It's true. Um it, it's definitely something that I mean like I definitely feel like I could have gone there at one point. Um and I, it's it sounds like sounds like we all could have gone down that point at one point or another in our lives but just part of being human yeah just learn to learn to learn to better respect and love yourself and learn to learn to be a learn to be a better positive healthy healthy man on top of that learn what positive masculinity is and learn to pass it on so that you don't end up with like all these unfortunate young men out there who just feel directionless and step outside too, you know, like meet somebody as it were, you don't, you never know, or just find it, find a group that you want to hang out with and just do that stuff. That's, that's how it is. But live life. I'm going to be honest. I did not expect this video to get really deep um, (laughs) or this episode to get really deep. So um, I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's going to do it. I did not expect this to be a very therapeutic episode, as it were, for this show or whatnot. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that we all enjoy the kind of uh, therapeutic elements of this conversation for sure. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. But so, Marshall, Sean, where can we reach you guys? Obviously, your YouTube channel, Philosophy of Gaming or Pod Gaming. But like, do you guys have Instagram? Do you have like a TikTok as well? Yeah, Marshall. What's uh, all of our social media stuff? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, we're going to make sure that it's posted on screen right now. It's either Philosophy of Gaming or Pog Gaming, something to that effect. I believe Instagram is Philosophy of Gaming. Um, mm-hmm. Check out our YouTube channel. I'm sure we'll have linked link in the description for that. But basically the YouTube channel is, if you want to follow us, that is going to be the place where we are doing pretty much everything that we do is the philosophy of gaming YouTube channel. Absolutely. And if you want to see me like rib into these guys through my editing, that's where you can check that out. So that's right. um, Marshall, Sean, I really appreciate you guys coming on to talk. Um, I'm really sad that Jeff was not here to discuss this, but um, with us, but I feel like, I feel like he's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, fuck, I missed out. Um, but um, but anyways, guys, I appreciate you guys coming on to the show. Um, be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, leave comments down in the sec- comment section. Let us know what you want us to talk about or like any suggestions for any videos and stuff. How do you feel about this certain topic or what uh, that we're discussing today? Uh, be sure to follow uh, the Instagram channel for TNAPCAST. That's T-N-A-A-P-C-A-S-T. And um, yeah, 
also we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. But gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. And I'm going to say thank you guys for checking out this installment of the show. We'll be back. Jeff will be back. I promise you. And I do apologize, uh, by the way, for all the listeners and viewers on the frequency, just because me and Jeff have been so busy with like life or whatnot. But I'm just going to say this, guys. Uh, stay shiny, everybody. You have a good one. Thank you for having us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, that was that was the conversation itself. Definitely something that definitely was very much. Um, it was def- definitely a very deep conversation. It's probably one of the most open conversations I've had on the show itself overall. Um, there is a couple things I should probably point out. Um, the first and foremost, the one I kept thinking about the entire time after, after I edited the, this was just like, oh, why did I start with, when I finally started talking about how like Fight Club is referencing as like referenced as a Bible in the manosphere and how they do not realize that the author Chuck Palahniuk is very much someone who didn't go about that. I said that, that yes, it's written by a gay man. And I'm like, probably shouldn't, I really should not have started off that way with him because that's not what defines him. What defines him is that he's a fantastic author. And I'm, I'm like, I, the point, the point there I was getting with that is that like, he was the kind of person who would definitely disapprove of what that whole manosphere like represents and how they interpret his film or I mean his book, but still his work in general. But that's definitely something that uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he, he wouldn't be a fan of what they're preaching for sure. And then um, there's definitely, there's definitely some stuff in like cut out um, just because of like our camera quality was just kind of shit. So we just had to work with what we got, at least on my end. So it was that, and that sucked because there's quite a bit of good stuff I had to cut out, but unfortunately it was all there. But I think overall we did a pretty good job with this. Um, since then, since um, since this podcast episode, um, rec- since the recording, Sean is now a father, um, wonderful child, Um I've seen the pictures and um, congratulations, Sean, you're doing great. Uh, a lot has happened since that, since that recording. Um, Philosophy gaming is like up now to like almost, almost like 200 subscribers at this point. Dude, they're doing pretty great. And you know, I'm still making their videos. Um, at least the videos they want me to edit for them. And I'm still doing that. And I will definitely keep doing that. Um, but the real thing I should probably address is why this took so long. Um, and I'll be honest, you know, there was quite a lot. I'm not trying to make any excuses because this, honestly, this really should have come out a lot sooner and I really do apologize. But, you know, I didn't like, I, you know, that whole manosphere, like rabbit hole was just like so mentally draining that I'm like, this is so that, that like, anytime I hear into that, I'm just like, I, I, I don't like listening to this and I just become like a complete, almost like really get the tension builds up in me. And I'm like, I don't need that. So I was trying to get away from that and just focus on myself mentally. Um, and then, you know, all these videos are really kind of, I'll be honest, like this kind of video to edit, like if it was pure audio, perfect, easy to edit. But since I'm doing video, like, God, it just takes so much time. And I'm like, I just, couldn't do it and so 
which leads me into my next bit is is this the end of two nerdskis in a podcast um i don't want to say yes it's the end because i don't think it is it's just more you know me and jeff are just so busy with what we've got going on in our lives that like it's almost kind of impossible to record anymore and that we're just so busy doing our own stuff so you know never say never um i do feel like though that we will come back in some way but um i'm just gonna leave it at that in terms of the future of two nerdskis but um don't count us out because we probably will for sure be back at some point but um other than that that is I think that's going to do it, and I will reiterate what I said at the end of Fight Club's conversation, and please stay shiny, and I mean that physically and mentally. Please, everybody, have a good one. Next level. Next level. Next level.